Corinthians chapter 1 this evening, 2 Corinthians chapter 1. And uh, so I'll be mindful of, of the uh, time here, but I, I'm grateful to come here on this, uh, on this midweek. And I will say this, wow, not often you get to hear a church choir on a midweek service, number one. Number two, I have not heard that song in a long time, but we grew up with that song. It's a beautiful song and a great uh, reminder about uh, the lost around us. And so that was beautiful, and we really enjoyed um, really enjoyed hearing that. Second Corinthians chapter one. So this is the second time Paul has written to this church. The first time was a hard letter to write. He loved them so much. There were things that were wrong. He had to, the Holy Spirit had him write that first letter one to them too. It was inspired. And so it's for us still today. First Corinthians deals with a lot of problems. And uh, I think it's one of those things where Paul loved them, but he didn't know how they were going to respond. I'm thankful for the people in my life that had to tell me things that were rebukes and corrections that was hard for them to say. But they, they did, and I'm grateful for the times that the Lord used those in my life to, to get me corrected through rebuke. Um, <clears throat> Back in February, I was uh, with our college basketball team down in St. Louis, and I got there a little bit early, and I called. I haven't, hadn't seen our, my high school, Christian school principal for 30 years, 35 years. I told him we were going to be in town, so we met for an hour and uh, was able to take he and his wife uh, to, to eat there, but, I, but I, I really wanted to tell him one, one main thing, and uh, when I was... 11th grade in the Christian school. I mean, my dad was a deacon. I'd been that school since first grade. Everybody knew me. And everybody thought, here's Daniel, this Christian kid. Man, he you know, does everything right. And, but one day I had, hadn't done right. And it would be easy for our principal there to say, oh, well, I'll just give him a pass. You know, he didn't mean it. But I'll never forget, he came, came by my desk, went to ACE school for 12 years. And so I'm thankful for that, you know, be able to use that over in Burma now. But he nailed down beside my desk and he lovingly but directly gave me a biblical rebuke for what I had done. Made me face what I had said. And um, I knew he cared about me, just like Paul cared about these people at Corinth, and just like... Very often, someone that gives us a rebuke or correction or even in your life, they care about you. It's not easy for them to say that. It's not easy for them to bring that rebuke, but it needs to be done. And so I just wanted to thank him for it. Of course, he didn't remember that. I'm not surprised. I remembered it, though, and I just said that actually snapped me back um, from a probably a bad path that I was just starting to get on. I'm so thankful that the Lord laid that on his heart and also that he followed through and he acted on that. I want to tell him thank you for that. And so when Paul wrote that first letter, he didn't know how that rebuke's going to be received. But when he heard back from them that they took his rebuke in the spirit in which it was given it brought him some of the greatest joy. As parents, 
know when we have to correct, chase and chastise our kids in doing it because we care about them and doing it in love, but still uh, correcting them. What great joy it brings us when they respond to that, when they learn from that, when they grow from that. And so Paul here is writing back to them the second time in 2 Corinthians. And he gives this passage here. I'm just going to read a few verses uh, out of this first chapter, 2 Corinthians 1. Let's start reading in verse 15. In this confidence, I was minded to come to you before that ye might have a second benefit and to pass by you into Macedonia and to come again out of Macedonia unto you and of you to be brought on my way toward Judea. So verse 16 simply says, it's going to travel past you and then back through that area. And when I was in your area, I was looking forward to some good fellowship with you both times. Verse 17, when I therefore was thus minded, did I use lightness or the things that I purpose? Do I purpose according to the flesh that with me there should be yea, yea and nay, nay? But as God is true, our word toward you was not yea and nay for the Son of God, Jesus Christ who was preached among you by us, even by me and Silvanus and Timotheus, was not yea and nay, but in him was yea for all the promises of God in him are yea and in him. Amen. Unto the glory of God by us. Our text verses, verse 20 there, where the Bible talks about the promises of God in him are yea and amen. What that verse very simply means is that all the promises of God are absolutely true and can be trusted, can be tr- our very lives. We can trust to the promises of God. Let's pray and we'll share a few things here in the time we have less. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to gather together among your assembly here at Lighthouse Baptist Church. We thank you, Lord, for the desire here to uh, teach and train uh, the young people. I pray you'd be with the classes going on. In other parts of the building, Lord, for the outreach uh, efforts that have been done here and will be done in the future. Lord, I pray you bless them, bring souls, uh, Lord, uh, to you through uh, the obedience of those here, Lord, that have a heart and a desire to see the lost come to you. And I praise we look briefly at your word this evening and this idea of your promises for us. May we be reminded, encouraged, Lord, and inspired to move forward in the in the in the light Uh, of the promises that you have left for us. Lord, may we cling to them, be reminded of them, and uh, Lord, use them in our day-to-day life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. God's promises. Sometimes God's promise is all we have to hold on to. Have you ever been in a place like that in your life? All you have to hold on to is one of God's promises. This, This passage, these verses are given to us To remind us that in those times, God's promises are enough. He is a God that is true and uh, there's no darkness. He's not a liar. He tells the truth. And uh, William Carey, one of the early missionaries to this part of the world in India, had to test these promises of God. So Carey had been in, in India for quite a while, about 20 years. He was awakened one night and he walked out and he saw... Almost all of their printing uh, operation there in a big, long warehouse, that building was on fire. And so here's what they lost during that fire in just a few hours. Fourteen different language printing blocks, 
for translations of the New Testament with no backups, 1,200 reams of paper, and other invaluable manuscripts. In other words, they lost thousands and thousands and thousands of hours of work just in a few hours. The one thing that was spared was the printing press itself. William Carey had a decision to make right then. And what he decided to do, and he told his co-workers around him, William Ward, Joshua Marshman, here's what we're going to do, guys. We're going to get up tomorrow morning, and we're going to go right back to the work. And they did. And from that time forward, they would go on to publish 38 different language translations of the New Testament, as well as many other works. Somewhere in that scenario, or in that time, William Carey said a statement that soon afterwards, a man who followed after him, Adoniram Judson, who had ended up in Burma, also made the same statement. And that was this. The future is as bright as the promises of God. And so looking at a burned out warehouse and thousands of hours of lost work, we know, I know what my thought would be. Discouragement to the point of despair to the point of disillusionment. Why, 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 go, why go on? And yet, William Carey and others that had his same spirit said, the Lord has left us here for a purpose. This was not what we planned, but the future is bright because we have God's promises. And immediately, they continued right back to, to that work. And so, this evening, I'll take the word promise, and we're going to look at something uh, with uh, each of the letters of the word promise that God's word says about his promises. First off, the letter P, God's promises are precious. They are rare. They are valuable. There's a few things that God in his word says are precious. The death of his saints, he says is precious. The blood of Jesus Christ, he calls precious but in Second Peter chapter 1, he calls his promises precious. They are valuable. There's something to be held on to. And uh, our faith in Jesus Christ is said to be precious. And so when we think of the promises of God, and we know that they are individual promises for you and I, they are precious to us, and we understand their value, we'll cling to them, we'll hold on to them. We thank the Lord. I thank the Lord for Jennifer. And I do know this. The Bible talks about a virtuous woman and her price is far above rubies. That's great value. The promises of God are precious. Letter R, the promises of God relate to our salvation. So here we have 1 John 2.25. And this is the promise that he hath promised us even eternal life. So we are grateful for eternal life, but the eternal life that we know about comes as a promise from God for those that have turned from their sin and put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ and him alone for their salvation. So when we're talking about God's promises, what's more what's more important or what's more valuable than our salvation? Our salvation comes to us. Because of God's promises. Whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. That's not my word or your word. That's God's word uh, for anyone. Whosoever will. Let him take of the water of life freely. 
Isaac Watts wrote many of the hymns in our hymn book. And some of the grandest hymns, the greatest, most enriching hymns he wrote. Here's what he said. I believe the promises of God enough to venture my eternity on them. The promises of God are precious. Secondly, they relate to our salvation. And the third thing about the promises of God, and we learn this from Hebrews 11, they are observed by faith. So Abraham had a promise. He'd be a father of a great nation. But Abraham was a sojourner throughout his life. He never saw that great nation. He lived in tents. But the Bible says that he, he saw through the eyes of faith promises not having seen or having seen them afar off, not having received them and was persuaded of them and embraced them and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on this earth. The promises that we have about heaven are beautiful. The mansions are we think about those promises. They're great. We don't see them right now. But we observe them by faith and without faith, it's impossible to please him. They are observed by faith. You know, in these last days, men began to mock God's promises. One main one that they mock is, you say Jesus is coming back. Where is he at? I haven't seen him. They've been saying this for hundreds of years. They've been saying this for a couple thousand years. Where is is he at? Men will mock the idea that Jesus is coming back. What's, What's the Lord's response to that? Here it is. He gives them even more time. To be saved. He's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So the Lord's response to those that mock his return is to give them more time, to give them more time to repent and trust him as Savior. What a response to the Lord from that. God's promises, his word was good in the past and it will be good in the future. Our promises and the fulfillment of them are observed by faith. How can we say that? Because there's so many promises and prophecies from the Old Testament that we've already seen perfectly fulfilled. And those give us confidence to see that the Lord keeps his word in his time. And so by faith, we can see that the the, the promises that are not yet fulfilled or prophecies that are not yet fulfilled will indeed be fulfilled as well. Letter M of the word promises. The promises of God are merciful even when we doubt. If I was the Lord and I saw Thomas for the first time and I knew that he said, I'm not going to believe that that's really Jesus unless I put my hands in, in, the, in his hands and put my hands on his feet. I'm not going to believe that. When I first saw him, I might tend to say, hey, oh, there's the guy who didn't believe that I had really raised from the dead. OK, let's talk for a second. No, the Lord did actually the opposite of probably what I would have done. He said, Thomas, come closer to me. Here's my hand. I want you to put your hand in my hand. You see, he, he was merciful to the man we call Doubting Thomas. And I'm grateful for that because I too often doubt God's promises. And I'm grateful for a Lord who, like Peter, who after the resurrection decided he's going to go fishing and kind of 
drift away from the Lord. The Lord didn't let him be. He went out and found him and he said, Peter, come closer. Let's sit down. We're going to have a meal and I'm going to talk to you. I'm going to get down to business. Peter, do you love me? But the Lord called him to him even when Peter was doubting about what he was to do. Merciful to her doubts. Letter I, the word promise, the promises of God are inspiring. Let me read 2 Corinthians 7, 1. So Paul revisits this idea of promises later on in this same book, 2 Corinthians 7, 1. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves from all filthiness of the flesh and spirit, perfecting holiness in the fear of God. They are inspiring what? They inspire us to repent of the sins of the flesh and to seek after holiness and to live in the fear of God. Why? Because we have God's promises. God is coming back to reward and to judge. And with that promise, we say, oh, there's some things I don't want to be found doing when the Lord comes back. There are some things I want to do before the Lord comes back because he's coming to reward and to judge. And so these promises of God inspire us to live a life worth living in this fallen world. Belief in God's promises, get our feet moving and get our minds going and get our spirits in tune to God and his soon return. The promises of God, letter S, are satisfying. I just read this morning in my morning devotions, the eyes of man are never satisfied, but the promises of God, they are satisfying. Jeremiah 31, 14, and my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. That's saying a lot from a man like Jeremiah, whose life started off pretty good. As a prophet, the first king he prophesied under great revival, King Josiah. It was downhill from there as far as kings and listening to God's word. And so king after king rejected, rejected God. And soon the people were taken into captivity into Babylon and Jeremiah languished in Jerusalem, eventually taken into Egypt. His life trajectory, humanly speaking, was on a decline. What kept him going? What kept him prophesying even when the last four kings that he prophesied under rejected everything that he said? I think things like this. Jeremiah 31, 14. I'm going to read it again. And my people shall be satisfied with my goodness, saith the Lord. Satisfied with simply the goodness of the Lord. Missionary Hudson Taylor said this. When the heart submits, then Jesus reigns. And when Jesus reigns, there is peace. Peace is an absent uh, trait, isn't it, in today's society? There's frenzy, there's unrest, there's animosity, there's tribalism. But when the heart where Jesus reigns, there is peace. And that peace brings rest. Though all around can be sinking sand, we can have that peace that passes all understanding. Lastly, the promises of God are eternal. They were here before you and I were here, and they will be here after we are gone. And I am thankful for that when I think about 
What's life going to be like for my kids? What's it going to be like for my grandkids? I don't know, but I do know this. If the Lord tarries his coming, they will have the promises of God to hold on to, just like I do. And just like my grandparents might have said, I wonder what life's going to be like for my kids and my grandkids. Well, here I am as one of their grandkids. And the same thing that they said, at least they have the promises of God, is the same thing I can say and we can say going forward. Titus 1-2, in hope of eternal life, which God that cannot lie promised before the world began. Dale Moody, God never made a promise that was too good to be true. Maybe tonight you need to grab a hold of one of the promises of God. Call unto me and I will answer thee. Show thee great and mighty things which thou knowest not. I will never leave thee nor forsake thee. Grab a hold of that promise. Be reminded the promises of God are precious. They relate to our salvation. We observe them by faith. They're merciful even when we doubt. They inspire us to live for the Lord. They can satisfy us and they're eternal. May the Lord use the truth of his promises in our lives here this evening. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time to look into your word. I pray, Lord, that you'd bless our brief time of invitation here. And I pray you'd work in hearts. Lord, I know myself how often I need to be reminded of who you are and the promises that you gave me. I pray that this evening you might work in hearts. Maybe someone here is discouraged. They, uh, Lord, they're <clears throat> doubting you or the situation of life that they're in is difficult or even dire. Lord, I pray that they would find rest and answers in your promises. Lord, if there's one here tonight that does not know you as Savior, I pray, Lord, they would claim that promise that whosoever will can come and take of the water of life freely. With heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would stand at your seat, and we'll have just a brief time of invitation. And as the pianist plays, if the Lord has laid something on your heart, a promise to claim, a decision to make, the altar is open. You can come here and deal with the Lord about that. Maybe there's some things in your life that uh, uh, seem borderline impossible. I've been there. I'll be there again. They remind us all to, at that moment, run to God's word and his promises and let those promises be fresh and new in your mind and your heart. May the Lord use his promises a special way in our lives here this evening. The altar is open. If the Lord has laid something on your heart, you can come.